0: Anybody ever play hide and seek with their dogs? This dog is really dumb. Now, my dog growing up was a Britney Spaniel, and she had a really good nose on. She hated it when I played hide and seek with her. She literally would attack me whenever she would find me. Now, luckily, you know she, I, I, she, she would do like the mother dog bite, where she would, you know, guard her teeth with her gums and go ah, you know, and just maul me for a little bit. But, uh, but she hated playing hide and seek. I'm looking forward to the days of when I get to play hide and seek with my kids. Cause they're just not there yet. I've tried with Wesley and he gets distracted way too easy. And so we'll be hiding and seeking and then he, I'm hiding somewhere and he's off in another room just playing and just completely forgot about me. Any parents ever been there before? It just, he's just not ready yet. We want to talk about that today. A little bit of hide and seek. Um, the series that we're in is called Choices. Um, and we've been talking about this idea that our choices that we make are, are really powerful. Um, and, and they have an impact on our lives, the choices that God gives us. And today we're going to be looking at how do we respond, the choice that we have and how do we respond to God's voice? Look, this is what I believe. I believe that God speaks to us every single day. I really do believe that God is calling out to us. His spirit is speaking to us every single day. The question is this, is, is, are we listening and how do we how do we hear and how do we respond when we do hear God speak? Now, here's a question for you: Have you ever played hide and seek with God? Have you ever played hide and seek with Him? That's what I want to talk about. There's a story today um, about a guy named Jonah, and probably many of us are familiar with Jonah's story. Um, it's found in the book of Jonah, Jonah chapter one, verse one through three. This is what it says. It says, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of I'm Amittai, I'm, I'm a something like that. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. For those of us that know this story, so Jonah hears from God, the Holy Spirit speaks to him, and, and he says, I want you to go to Nineveh, I want you to preach, and Jonah doesn't like that idea, because he doesn't like the people of Nineveh, and the last thing that he wants is those people to repent, and so he says, hey, um, I'm just going to go in the opposite direction. And for those of you that know the story, he gets on the boat and goes out and in the, in the scripture says that, it, that the Lord brings a great storm. And in the midst of this storm, Jonah realizes that it's because of him. And so he looks at the crew and he says, Crew, the only way this is going to end is for you to throw me overboard. And they were pretty distraught with that idea, but he persuaded them. And they threw him overboard. And the scripture says that a great fish came and swallowed Jonah. And and it was in that moment that Jonah realized, I can't escape from God. And so he spit him up on the land, and then he went to Nineveh and preached the message that God had laid on his heart. And here's what the scripture says, is that when he preached that message, the whole town, the whole city, all of the people came to repentance. Here's my thought, is that you can run from God, but you can't hide. You can run, but you can't hide. I know some of you are probably thinking this morning, Well, when do we have a tendency to run from God? And that's a really good question. And so there's just a few thoughts for you about when we run from God. And the first one is this, is that we run from the conviction of God. Listen, sometimes we come to a place in our lives when we realize that we're just not right with God that there is something going on inside of us or in our lives or a choice or a decision that we make, and we find ourselves in that place, then all all of a sudden we start hearing the Spirit speak to us and convict us, and we start feeling guilt and shame about where we are, and we realize that we're not where God wants us to be. Anybody ever been there before? You can raise along with me. It's okay. So how do we respond? How do we respond when we get to that place? Well, some of us respond exactly how Adam and Eve respond in the Book of Genesis. For those of you that know that story, God created Adam and Eve, and, not, and and He placed them in the Garden of Eden. And He said, He said, "Adam and Eve, you can you can have anything you see in this place. It is all yours. All the fruit, everything is yours, except one tree that you shall shall not eat from. And it's the tree of knowledge of good and evil." And what what do Adam and Eve do? They grab the fruit and they eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then the scripture says that is that the Lord comes, that God comes as he did every day to walk with Adam and Eve in the garden. And how did Adam and Eve respond? Anybody know? They hid. They hid. From the very beginning, they knew that they had done wrong. They knew that they had made a bad choice, and so they hid. And it's a very typical response for us. Have you ever caught your kids hiding when they did something wrong? You know it. My son, anytime he grabs something he knows he's not supposed to, and he makes eye contact with me, and he knows he's not supposed to have it, guess what he does? He's two and a half. And the first thing he does is take what he's not supposed to have, and he puts it behind his back as if I didn't see it. Are you kidding me? He hides. It's what we all do. Instead of an open, honest repentance... We have a tendency to run from the conviction of God. Here's the second time we normally run. We run, we run from the correction of God. Listen, we can all be honest and and, and honestly say that, that every single one of us are at a place where God, there's still some work that God has to do in our lives. We're not perfect, right? We're just not. When I was growing up, um, whenever I would, you know, I, got to grow up back in the day when, when, um, when, when, especially during the summer, you would just leave in the morning, and then eventually you would hear your mom or your dad calling in the neighborhood, Jared! And then you knew that was time. Well, when I, with my mom, there was, there's two different ways that she would call me. There would be Jared, and whenever I would hear Jared, I knew that everything was good, that I wasn't in trouble, and I would almost skip home, you know, thinking that mom's got something for me, she's happy, I'm happy, but when I heard mom, mom say, Jared Lee, I knew it was going down. You know, did anybody have one of those names for their kids? It wasn't Jared, it was Jared Lee. And if I heard Jared Lee, sometimes I still hear that from Haley. When she says Jared Lee, I know I'm in trouble. And when my mom would say Jared Lee, I'd go the opposite direction. Until my dad called me. And then when my dad called me, he called me other names. And I knew it was time to come home. I was in a little bit of trouble at that point. It's it's that moment. And sometimes, have you ever had or heard God use that different tone with you in your spirit? You know, there are moments when, when God is very soothing and loving and, and he's working on us. And then there are some times where God just says, Jared Lee, there's some correcting that I need to do in your life. There's something that I would is, I, I want to speak into you. God is, is at a lifetime process of working in us. And sometimes we feel him warm and inviting and And then there are times when God gets a little bit bolder. He says, Jared, Lee, it's time for us to talk. And sometimes when we hear that voice, that spirit, that conviction, that correction coming, we have a tendency to run, to run the other way. Sometimes we run from the calling of God. Now, this is where Jonah is. See, Jonah heard God's voice, and, and, and God gave Jonah a mission. He had a job for him to do. This is what I want from you. God needed him for an assignment. And when God came, Jonah didn't like the assignment. He didn't like the people of Nineveh. And the last thing that he wanted the people of Nineveh to do was repent. He would rather see the city destroyed. And so he didn't like what God had to say. He didn't like the calling of God, so he ran the other direction. And can I just tell you this morning, really honestly, I've said this before and I'll say it again, is that if you're a follower of Jesus, God has some assignments for you. He has a calling for you. He's placed gifts in your life for you to serve God in some sort of capacity. Now, I can honestly say I don't don't know what it is for you. I don't know what that is. But God has a call for you. And my question is, is how are you responding to that calling? Listen, sometimes we have no idea what is on the line when we don't follow the call of God. We don't know. For Jonah, it was a city coming to repentance is what was on the line. Sometimes it's a lot. There's a really cool story. This happened um, spring 2018. Some of you may have seen it before if you're baseball fans. Um, but but on opening day of 2018, um, Tucker Steckman skipped school to go to the Chicago Cubs home opener. And he made a sign. Um, can you throw that picture up? It said, skipping school, shh, don't tell Principal versus Lewis. And uh, so he he carried that sign in, and he was super proud, and they said this kid, Tucker, he and his brother, um, that especially Tucker was just like a A honor roll student, he was considered like a student leader, you know, really bright in his school, uh, and so he made this sign, but what, one thing that, that Tucker didn't realize is that how viral this picture went. Um Because Major League Baseball, in one of their shots, they saw the picture and they thought it was really cute. And so they tweeted it out on Major League Baseball's Twitter, which has millions of followers. And all of a sudden, millions of followers are following it and retweeting it and liking it. And it went viral. Now, the other thing that Tucker didn't expect was that his principal was actually at the game also. For the first time in thirty years, he skipped school to go to a Chicago Cubs game, and he said, when he saw Tucker, he says his his phone went crazy in the middle of the game with buzzing and beeping and and people text message him, "Hey, have you seen the sign? Your name's on the sign?" and he pulled it up and he was like that's Tucker and he 's at this game and he started to look around and he saw Tucker holding the sign so, like he had been busted because he had called in sick and skipped school that day and so he started like shrinking down in his seat hoping that he wouldn't get caught <laughs> eventually he just said you know what this is too good so this picture is actually tucker and gunner the brothers and that's principal um verse lewis there in the middle finally just this is just too good this is just too good and I thought when I saw this story and I heard it this last week, I thought this is a perfect picture. Tucker, you can run, but you can't hide. Principal versus Lewis, you can run and go to a game, but you can't hide. People are going, they're going to find you. Listen, I don't, I don't know what you're running from in your life. I don't know if it's conviction or correction or if it's a calling from God. But can I tell you this, is that wherever you go, are you ready? God is already there. God is already there. You can't dodge him. And that's what I want to process this we, When we run from God, what, what is really happening? And if you have your notes, I want you to follow along and fill in the blanks with me. The first one is this. What's really at stake? Is that when we run from God's voice, we also run from his blessing. We, we, when we run from God's voice... We run from his blessing. And oftentimes we don't understand that. This picture is, is a picture of a dog in Fort Worth, Texas. This happened in 2018. Um, he had found like a jar that had a few Cheetos in the bottom of it. And that's what that is. And, and, and he stuck his head in to eat the Cheetos. He got his head stuck in that, in that bowl. Some people found it and took some pictures of him in in, in their neighborhood, and they tried, uh, some sort of pit bull, terrier mix, they tried over and over and over again to get this jar off his head. But guess what would happen whenever they would approach him? He'd run away. He'd run the other direction. They don't know if it was because of his distorted view from looking through the plastic or whatever, but he ran away for four days. He ran around the neighborhood with a plastic bag, jar stuck on his head i mean death was probably pretty close if you think about dehydration and and not being able to eat and and all that stuff right eventually um, animal control was able to catch him and, and, and get the the jar off of his head but i thought this is this is a picture of us this is a picture of us Of, of, of God trying to help us and God trying to bless us and God trying to meet with us and trying to remove something from our lives that's really hurting us. And what do we do when God approaches? We run. We run from His blessing. We think things like this. God, God's out to get me. Have you ever thought that before? Or maybe God, if if I listen to God, if I lean into God, maybe he's going to ask me to do something that I don't really want to do. Or maybe God is going to get on to me. Or he's going to take something from me. Do you understand? Have you ever thought those thoughts before? And can I just tell you this morning that God is for you. He's for you. When God speaks, when God corrects, when God convicts, he does this because he's trying to bless you and he's trying to bless others through you. Listen, this is God's call on Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. Pull out your notes because you're going to read part of it with me. This is, The Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family and go to the land I will show you. I will make you a, into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And you will do what? Read it with me. Be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. Read this last part with me. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. God looks at Abram and he says, Abram, I want you to leave it all behind. Why God? God, why would you ask me to do this? It's because I want to make you a great nation. I want to bless you. I want to make you famous. I want to bless the world through you. All families on earth will be blessed because of you. When when the voice of God calls, it's to bless and bless and bless and bless. He's not mad. He's not trying to condemn you, he's not trying to hurt you. he's not trying to drive you away. He's not trying to put you on the spot. he's not trying to to embarrass you. he wants to bless you and he wants to bless through you even even when we find ourselves even when we find ourselves in in, in slavery, God wants to bless us. even when we find ourselves oppressed. Because of our own disobedience, God is still trying to bless us. Listen, Jeremiah twenty nine, ten and 11. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11, we often quote it, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. They're plans for good and not for disaster. Look at the verse before it. It says, this is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. "They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you future and a hope. Listen, he's saying you're going to experience some pain because of your choices. But I still want to bless you. I want to give you a hope. I want to give you a future. I don't want to harm you. I want your life to be blessed. Here's a second thought that's connected to that one. Is that our response to God is never just about us? Think about Jonah's story. When he ran, what happened? He was on a ship, and then what happened to the ship? Anybody? A great storm came, right? People to the place where people, we're going to die out here. I mean, when he ran, storms came, and Jonah put everyone else at risk that was on that ship because of his disobedience, because he was running from God. Now, the question I have is, what would have happened if he would have continued to run? Continue to run? What would have happened? To the people of the ship, I'm not quite sure. But to the people of Nineveh, they never would have heard the message. Now, maybe, just maybe, God would have called somebody else and would have saved the city. We don't know. The story doesn't say. But we do know that because of Jonah's change of heart and God getting his attention and him listening, that the whole city of Nineveh was saved. It wasn't just about him. Do you hear me? His disobedience wasn't just about him. There's so many times in being as, as a pastor and a youth pastor, I've had conversations with people who, who, who are at a place in their life where they're making a bad choice and they know they're making a bad choice. But they just say, they say this, they say, well, Jared, it's my life. It's my life. I can do what I want. Yes, you can. You certainly can. But your life is not just about you. When we run, we risk hurting other people. Nobody is an island to themselves. It's about everybody else around us that's connected to us. You can't control what happens to their lives because of your disobedience. You can't do it. So sometimes our disobedience brings pain to the people that we care most about. You understand that? You've seen that? Yeah, I think we all have. Here's a pretty crazy story. Over the last probably ten years, um, gender reveals have become um, like pretty like over the top. You know, you know. Back in the day, they, they didn't do this at all. When you know when just when I was younger, um, but that started out with a cake, you know, and you'd slice the cake or you would pop a balloon. But it seems like people just have to one-up everybody else. And, and a couple of years ago, you guys probably know the story because you're here from Arizona, um, a, a gentleman by the name of Dennis Dickey, um, who lives near Tucson, he's a Border Patrol agent, um, he decided to do a gender reveal for his family. And, um, and so he bought, um, he, he got the, the little envelope that said if it was going to be a boy or a girl. They didn't open it. And they sent it to this company that shipped him a package of tannerite. Anybody know what, t- is that how you say it? Tannerite? It's a, it's a powder, um, that comes in a box and this company reads the results and they give you a box or a big tub that when you shoot it will explode. Now, when I say explode, it's just not like a proof of powder. Um, tannerite, when it's hit with a high, um, high velocity round, um, explodes into a giant fireball. And that giant fireball will have a tint of, per- a tint of pink or a tint of blue depending on, you know, if it's a boy or a girl. And when I say a fireball, it's, it's a fireball. <laughs> it's huge. There's actually a picture of it. This is the boy or girl target. That's it exploding. And this is the aftermath as that explosion took place. Now, now Dennis Dickey as a Border Patrol agent had, had the ability to carry a firearm. He had the proper license, but he also knew that what he was doing was against the law, especially because here in Arizona, you understand in the middle of the summer, we have something called a fire ban, right? You can't even have a campfire, but he thought it was a good idea to go south of Tucson and put this tannerite in a field of, a field of grass, dry grass, And watch this thing explode. And it did. Show the next picture. Are you ready? 46,000 acres of land later. Here's the last picture. For those of us here in Arizona, it was called the Sawmill Fire of 2018, if you remember them calling it that. 800 firefighters put their lives in danger trying to put this fire out as it burned 46,000 acres of land. Luckily, nobody was killed, but it destroyed a lot of land in public and also private land that farmers depend on for grazing their crops. He said this. He said, I knew it wasn't legal, and I didn't think about what would happen. I wasn't trying to hurt anybody. Are you ready? How many of you have heard this? I just wanted to have a little fun. I just wanted to have a little fun. He later admitted that he was the one that set off the sawmill fire, and uh, he was sentenced um, to a two hundred and twenty thousand dollar fine, a hundred that he had to pay up front, and the other hundred and twenty that he had to pay five hundred a month for the next twenty years. When, when the voice of God is speaking to you and you run the other way, you can't control who all gets hurt in your disobedience. And the opposite is true too. When we say yes and the blessing of God flows through us, it also flows into other people's lives around us. Amen? Amen. Paul and Silas in the book of Acts are in prison. And they're praying, and the scripture says that a great earthquake came and shook the prison cells, and it made their chains fall off. And it says the guard came in and saw these prisoners sitting there with the with the door open and their chains off. And, and the scripture says that he was going to kill himself because he knew that he was going to be punished and, and killed. And they said, No, 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 don't do that. We're not we're not going anywhere. And he was so relieved that he looked at Paul and Silas and he says, what do I have to do to be saved? What do I have to do to be saved? And listen to the response, Acts chapter 16, 31 and 32. And it says, they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Are you ready? Along with everyone else in your household. And it says, and they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. When he said yes to the conviction, God was able to save his entire house. The yes wasn't just for him, it was for everyone else. Second Timothy one five says this: I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith. This is Paul talking to Timothy, you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I know that same faith continues strong in you. Parents, grandparents, don't ever think your decision for God doesn't matter to the people around you. You will either pl- pass on the blessing of your relationship to your children or grandchildren. You can be an instrument of God. When we open up our lives to the presence of God, we expose everyone around us to that presence. And here's one last thought. Are you ready? God persistently pursues us because he passionately loves us. Listen, God isn't mad at you. He's not condemn you. When the voice of God speaks, it's because he loves you. He shows up everywhere because he loves you so much. There's a real uh, story about a couple Luther, Waverly. They live in Rochester, New York. The story that I read this week says that um, every day Luther walks three miles back and forth to the hospital. They're not sure how old he is, but but Luther um, told the, men, the man who was writing this article that he was close to 90. He says, I'm not sure, I don't have a birth certificate. And every day, this almost 90-year-old man walks from home three miles to see his wife in the hospital and then walks home. The person asks, he says, why don't you take the bus? He Have you ever been to the bus in Rochester, New York? It goes every direction but the one I want to go. I would rather just walk. I faster. I want to be with my wife. He actually calls his wife his cup of tea. How cool is that? My cup of tea. She's my cup of tea. He says she's worth the walk. 90 years old, six miles a day in the heat, in the cold, in the humidity, in the ice, he walks to see his wife. He thinks that she's worth it. And God thinks that you're worth it too. Listen, he pursues you, not because he's angry with you, but because he loves you. Psalms twenty-three-six says, Surely the goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. What does it say? It says the goodness and unfailing love will pursue me. I put this thought in your notes. I think it's really good. It says running from God may harden your heart towards Him, but it will never harden His heart towards you. It just won't. How are you responding to the voice of God? How are you responding to His correction, to His conviction, to His calling? It's your choice. Choice matters a lot. How do you respond? I just want to suggest this morning that you don't run from God.